the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It is a delight to have in studio with me Rabbi Pinchas Alush. He is the head rabbi of Congregation Beth Tefillah in Scottsdale on Shea Boulevard, where all are welcome, as he continually likes to remind. Um, He is also the... Uh, producer and host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, and you can hear that every week at Apple Podcasts. Rabbi Alush spells his last name A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, and whenever he's in town, we bring him into the studio to kind of get us into a Sabbath or Shabbat or Shabbos uh, frame of mind. And we do it in in the penultimate hour now just because of sundown, but uh, soon we'll be doing it in our third hour once again when we're not fighting daylight as quickly as we are now. Yes? Rabbi, good to see you. You're just back from Israel. Give us an update on how that went and how your son Yisrael Mordechai Chaim is. Thank you for asking. It's a pleasure being back. Um, The trip to Israel was uh, quite meaningful. I was on a solidarity mission with uh, leaders from across the board in Arizona, and um, it was both eye-opening it was deeply moving, and at the same time also very, um, uh, very productive. Um, my son, who is fighting Gaza, as many of you, of your listeners know, uh, is doing well. I just spoke with him yesterday. Unfortunately, last week when I was in Israel, I was not able to see him, even though ironically I was about a mile away from him. We were in an army base in the south of Israel, in a place called Near Oz which is 600 feet away from the border and about a mile away from Khan Yunis, where my son, the IDF soldier, is currently fighting. Uh, but I was not able to see him, but at least I was in his space, you know, basking in his energy, and that in of itself was enough. I spoke with him yesterday. He's sharing that uh, he remains strong and determined together with his brothers at arm. And um, he's... Um, thankful for all of the support that he continues to receive and certainly for everyone's prayers. And you uh, hosted or cooked a barbecue for his uh, fellow soldiers, if I understand that correctly? <laughs> That's right. Yes, you did your homework. You grilled a little <laughs> lamb, did you? We, yeah, a little lamb, a little goat, a little no? cow. No, you did not. <laughs> what did you do? No, we did. We no, we hired a <laughs> catering service to do that for us. Okay. <laughs> but we did offer a barbecue for uh, these soldiers that were just either returning from yeah, Gaza good. or going on their way to fighting Gaza. And it was very, very special to see these youngsters. Some of them are 19 years old, just imagine, so filled with the sense of purpose yeah. to ensure that goodness overcomes evil and that this darkness is finally expelled. It's just inspiring. There's no other word. Good. Thank you. Welcome back. Glad he's safe. Glad you're safe. Uh, a lot of our audience likes to keep your son in uh in their minds, hearts, and prayers. So we continue to do that. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. You betcha. Um, There are some relevancies uh, given the portion of the week. So every week, every Saturday, 
in Jewish synagogues across the world, they read a portion of the Bible. It's known as the Torah portion or the Parsha, or yes, or the Parsha. And uh, you go through it seriatim. And this week, we uh, you will be reading from the Torah uh, from roughly Exodus 10, mm-hmm. which is titled Bo, B-O, which either means come or go. I, I'm a little conflicted on this, mm. and I'm guessing that's pro- I'm probably not alone. That's right. It's an excellent point you bring up because at the onset of this week's portion, uh, we find the commandment of God to Moses saying, come to Pharaoh right. and command him to let my people go, to yes. let the Jewish people go. But it says come and not go. Yeah. And the commentaries immediately pick up on that. Yeah. And they say, yes, grammatically it should have said go to Pharaoh. But the point that God was trying to make to Moses was that he was there. God himself was there at Pharaoh's palace, and he was calling Moses to come. I'm here with you. You don't have to be afraid, Moses. Yes, Pharaoh can be very intimidating. Yes, he's the king of Egypt, the all-powerful man of this world. But if I am commanding you to go, it's because I am there with you. So come. I'm here waiting for you, and uh, you, your awareness that I'm here with you will give you the strength to eventually overcome this Pharaoh. This is such a pregnant portion because it's the last three of the ten plagues. And yes, it's Moses beseeching Pharaoh to let my people go, which might be one of the most famous lines. I mean, there's a lot of famous lines in the Bible and throughout history that go back to the Bible. That might be one of one of the most. There are several in this portion, actually, I want to talk to you about. And of course, that is the same kind of thing that was sung by uh, a lot of those working the anti-slavery movement. They were known as Negro spirituals here in the 1800s in America. Um, there are a lot of spirituals invoking that phrase. So it's it's carried through not just the continents, but history and all kinds of people who have been under the evil forces of pharaohs. Um, So let me talk to you just a little bit before I get to your podcast, which is obviously related to it. A couple questions that arise from this, if I can, these parts of Exodus. Um, A swarm of locusts devours all the crops and greenery. Uh, A thick palpable darkness envelops the land. That's the second one. It's locusts, then darkness, and maybe the locusts had something to do with that. And then, of course, the final uh, decree, the final um, plague, which is the death of the firstborn of of the males of of Egypt at the stroke of midnight. Mm -hmm. Um, Why does it say, and this is another famous line out of this portion of the Bible, so many times when Moses goes to Pharaoh, why does it say, um, that God had hardened Pharaoh's heart, stiffened Pharaoh's heart. Why would God want to do that? Why would not God want to have Pharaoh yield to Moses's first plea? Why do we have to go through a hardening of Pharaoh's heart by God? Why would God not soften Pharaoh's heart? Mm. Right, and if he had softened his heart, maybe we wouldn't have needed those ten plagues. Correct. Maybe Pharaoh would have right. let the people go right. um, beforehand. Right. Uh, just before I answer this question— to your previous point yeah. of how this phrase of let my yeah. people yeah. go became yeah. the motto to 
many groups throughout history and, and inspired them deeply and still inspires. But let us not forget that that's not the full phrase. The full phrase is Shalach Ami Ve'yavduni, which means let my people go so that they shall serve me. So important. So important. And we, because and we lop those things <laughs> off to our detriment, and I, d- and I fell into it. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. No, it's, it's a big you. issue. It's, it's a big issue. You're right. It is a big issue because freedom without direction, without yeah. purpose, is not freedom. It's chaos. Mm-hmm. When God says so that they shall serve me, what he's doing is that he's taking their, free- their freedom and molding them into a purposeful direction, which I think makes it not just so much more meaningful, but makes it true freedom. That That is a discussion of itself. But yeah. going back to your point, you know, it's interesting because Chief Rabbi of Great Britain, uh, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory, we've mentioned mul- multiple times now, he uh, points out that um, at the very beginning, it's Pharaoh hardening his own heart. Mm-hmm. It's not God. Mm-hmm. Only towards the end, it's God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And what he learns from this is a life lesson. Mm-hmm. That sometimes we harden our own hearts, but we harden our own hearts to the point that we lose control over our hearts. And then that control is passed on to God's domain because we've become so stubborn that we've lost ourselves in the stubbornness. It's become stronger than us. And then it's in God's domain. And that's what happened to Pharaoh. At first, he hardened his heart. He was the stubborn man. And he became so stubborn that he became paralyzed by stubbornness, that stubbornness took full control of him. And it went into the domain of God. From that point on, he had no control over his heart. It was God controlling his heart and hardening his heart, uh, showing to all of us that there we not follow a pathway that becomes too difficult to control at the end. Let me take a commercial break in a moment here and come back on this point, because I think um, it also goes to the question a little bit of free will. Mm. And there's an element of this, too, as to I, as, as I read some, some of the materials that I did read this morning on this portion, that the question of free will in Pharaoh comes about by the by, by the way God hardened his heart. And if we can pick up on that when we come right back, and then we're going to get into darkness. There's a lot about darkness, um, emotional, spiritual, and physical, uh, that emanates out of this portion. And uh, your podcasts, we have two to make up for, so we have a lot of work today. So Got buckle it. your seatbelts, and Rabbi Pinchas Solution, I will be right back. Is that Louis Armstrong? Welcome you back to the you. settle. Yeah? Welcome back to— I can to see the, the rabbi rocking along with this one. Yeah, the inimitable <laughs> voice of uh, Satchmo and the inimitable brain, wisdom, soul, heart, and voice of Rabbi Pinchas Alush, P-I-N-C-H-A-S-A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, founded at Apple Podcasts, head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah on Shea, where, as he says, all are welcome— uh, Jewish or not, uh, observant or not, we're talking about this week's portion, Exodus 10 and forward, the last three plagues, Rabbi. The hardening of, Mo- of uh, Pharaoh's heart that we, keep, that we are told about, that we discussed a little bit in the previous segment. There's a question, too, about whether it would be meaningful if it—I think there's a question to be asked about whether it would be meaningful for um, Pharaoh if he was only governed by his passions, his heart— and so the hardening of his heart made it more of an issue of free will. You have this choice, and it's not about 
what you may feel. We're going to get to feelings quite deeply in a few moments here, but it's something you have to intellectually understand. This is something you need to do. You need to let these Jewish people go, these slaves go. That's right. That's right. And the pharaohs of the world react to those types of commandments, divine yeah. commandments, by saying, no, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I have control. Yeah. Who is God to tell me what I should do? Mm-hmm. And that really is what the hardening of the heart refers to. It's almost the exclusion of God from your domain and from your control. The softening of the heart, therefore, is when I begin to understand that I need God, mm-hmm. that my ego will not lead me anywhere meaningful. And in order to truly turn my life into a life that is impactful and purposeful, then I need to include God and ensure that he is at the driver's seat. It's interesting, 10 plagues. 10 is interesting. Kind of the the antipodal effort of we get then soon as we leave from what the 10 plagues wrought, we will, of course, know of the 10 commandments in short order. One kind of wants to ask, were all these plagues necessary? Turns out, yes. Turns out, yes. But one also has to kind of think about well, God all-knowing, if he knew he was going to use—I mean, that last one would do it, mm-hmm. right? That last, the death of the firstborn would do it. Why the first nine? To punish the people, I think, or um, to show God's dominion in another sense, perhaps. It is interesting that it took all of them, though, to get to that last one. It's also interesting the level of them. You know, you think about Joseph's people. Joseph was someone who created such a vibrant, fertile land, the breadbasket of the world in Egypt because of Joseph's work, right? And all of these plagues kind of have their effect on taking each and every part of what Joseph built up, the greenery, the, the, the animal kingdom, the, 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 the fish, the water. It, it, everything that Joseph built, God took away from the Egyptians piecemeal. I think that's interesting, too, if I'm reading it right. That is. It is fascinating. And, you know, there's a commentary from the 13th century that says that the 10 plagues really relate to the 10 spheres of this world. Mm. They begin in the water with the first Mm -hmm. plague, Mm -hmm. right? The water being turned into blood to that which is inside or on the surface of the water frogs until the 10th plague, life itself. And in between, you're right, you have the greenery, you have the animals, you have the lice, you have the locusts, and and all of these really relate to different spheres of this world. And what God was trying to show Pharaoh is that, yes, I am the master of the universe, of the entire universe with all of its ten spheres, thus those ten plagues. So that's one way of looking at it. There is a mystical interpretation and that is that really the ten plagues relate to the ten attributes of God. Okay. There are three intellectual attributes and seven emotional attributes. Okay. And God was really, again, asserting his dominion in each of those attributes to teach us how also to incorporate God in our own ten attributes, the intellectual ones and the emotional ones. Let's talk a little bit about the emotional, because it seems to me your last two podcasts, the title, these podcasts, folks, are very short. I mean, there's a lot in them, but you can get through them in in three to five minutes each time. You'll spend your lifetime thinking about them, but you get through them in about three to five minutes. You pack a lot in there. 
Uh, are you good with your time on every other front? Are you that efficient with your time on every other front? Front as you are. I, I should, I ask, should I be talking to Mrs. Mrs. Zalush? <laughs> that's right. This? I don't think I'm a good okay. job of my own time. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the, the one from uh, a fortnight ago, be a gazelle, not a cheetah. This one, how to deal with the words turmoil. But let's start with this one, if you can, sure. because <clears throat> how to deal with the words world's turmoil. turmoil gets to the emotion is what you're and i keep when i read this portion the thing the theme that keeps coming up is darkness darkness from locusts darkness from the plague itself of darkness the penultimate plague uh the darkness of the fact of the life of slavery the darkness of the decrees darkness and you raise an interesting question in your podcast you have these People, the Jews of Egypt, who were there for what, a couple hundred years? Mm-hmm. 210 and, years. Yeah, 210 years as slaves, and there's no discussion about their emotional state. Being forced from freedom into slavery is a, uh, is a tremendous physical barrier, but it's also a tremendous emotional uh, destruction. And there's no discussion about that whatsoever. That's the point of your podcast. Do you want right. to say a few words about that? Yes, absolutely, because you're right. It is inter- interesting that there is no mention of their emotions, not during their 210 years of slavery and not thereafter. You would expect also God to provide therapists and yeah. all sorts of uh, other means in order for the Jews to heal themselves from those 210 years of slavery. But no, there's no mention of that. Instead, let my people go so that they shall serve me. They are on their way to serving God, receiving the Torah, Aman Sinai, and then entering the promised land, which I think really relates to the way we ought to deal with our world's turmoil at the same time with our lives' turmoil because we all face challenges and impediments and hardships. Very often, instead of wallowing in our emotions, all we need to do is to move forward to focus on what God wants of me right now. How can I not just allow myself to be free, but how can I serve God in order to find that meaning, that purpose in every moment, in every circumstance, and with every encounter? And I think that that in and of itself is the best therapy. Yes, sometimes I'm not saying that people do not need therapy. Sometimes we do. And sometimes we even need medication and other means. I'm no exp- expert in that field. But action does ensure the balancing of the person, and it does very much help towards uh, the finding of that life purpose. Yeah, I want to pick up on that when we come back, uh, the emotional issue and the action issue. Um, a friend of mine reminded me this morning of, close listener to the show and a dear friend named Steve. He was quoting Benjamin Franklin from Poor Richard's Almanac. Well done is better than well thought. Mm. And uh, if we can pick up on all of that when we come right back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. He is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, heard on Apple Podcasts, a new one every week. Change your life. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, brought to you from our 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest, and we're talking about in his podcast and in the Bible portion, the Torah portion of the week, Exodus 10 and forward, 
the freeing of the slaves through plagues and beseechment of the Pharaoh. You raise this interesting question about, you know, slavery does a number to you. It breaks your will. It can create tremendous. I remember at the beginning of uh, the COVID uh, lockdowns and shutdowns and isolation, forced isolations, we had uh, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Zudi Jasser. Was, um, he came in and guided us through it at the medical level. And I remember he one one point said, you know, to force people into isolation is such an unnatural state. It's what you really do to prisoners. Mm. It's not what you do to a free people. And he said, and I suspect there will be a lot of psychological um, downwash from this, which he was right about. But when we study the Bible or the Torah on this, you make the interesting point. There's no discussion of psychotherapy. They're, 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 the focus was action, mm-hmm. right? Um, not feeling. And separating, as you well put it in the previous segment, the issue of a deeply a, 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 a deeply difficult medical issue where we're perhaps dealing not with so much psychiatric depression but maybe emotional sadness in which there's a distinction. The advice we draw from this is that the best way – and I think I'm quoting you from your podcast – of dealing with these dark or sad feelings – is um, not to. I think you say, right. don't deal with them. Mm-hmm. The best way uh, of dealing with them is not. Just go act. This morning, I woke up in a terrible mood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just mad at the world. Mm-hmm. Almost almost took it out on my dog. <laughs> and, I, and I heard your podcast, and I just went and exercised the heck out of myself, and it worked. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> small no. things about big things. Here. Right. But very often also it's because of an obvious reason, yeah. and that is that when we are upset or when we are in this emotional turmoil, we are not equipped to deal with our emotions. Yeah. So what we have to do is separate ourselves from our emotions, create this distance, and then – the emotions become more manageable, right? I often say to my children if, when they're upset about something, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, it happens all the time, not just because I have many children. I'm blessed with many children, but because children are children, as many parents know. I say to them, okay, fine, you have a point. Let's talk about it in an hour. Mm-hmm. I promise you I'll address it in an hour. Mm-hmm. And very, very often yeah. what happens is that when we do talk about it in an hour, that issue is not an issue anymore. Right. They realize, oh, we were, we were upset about something so minute. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the genius here of, of God, saying to the Jewish people, I understand you probably have a lot of emotions right now, but just focus on your journey forward. Yeah. We'll talk about them in a minute yeah. or in an hour or in a year. And then, and then we'll see that they will appear very differently than they appear right now. It's true with adults, too, when you think about people that are fighting temptations or addictions. Um, I remember reading a book when I was a chain cigarette smoker. I remember reading a book saying, next time to quit, just wait three minutes. The craving goes away. Sometimes that happens with temptations of food, too. Sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes just wait a little bit. Right. These things are fleeting. These these temporary excitations are excitations, but they are also temporary. They mm-hmm. will go away if they're not fundamentally meaningful. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, and the flip side of it is also what will come out of this. Right. Right. Out of my burning emotions, my emotions of anger, of disappointment, what – 
what's going to come? Is anything productive going to come out of this? But I can promise you, myself, your listeners, that out of my positive actions, much will come out. Yes, that is what you say. It's our actions that define us, not our moods or feelings. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we think about people that maybe pass on or people that we were once acquainted with. We don't remember their moods or feelings. We remember their deeds, their actions, right? right? That's right. what defines us. Right. You know how they say one picture is worth a thousand words? Yes, sir. I would say one action is worth a thousand emotions. <laughs> I want to come back on that. I want to come back on that because it gets us into consistent, repetitive, routine, healthy actions, which is your podcast from the previous week, and it's titled wonderfully. Might be a nice tease for the audience. Be a gazelle, not a cheetah. Mm. Rabbi Pinchas Solution, I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you from the Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. Before I kind of move from our actions defining us to your podcast titled Be a Gazelle, Not a Cheetah, one last thing about going and doing and acting and 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 having actions really change your thoughts rather than thoughts changing your actions. This really is the story of the Jewish people in the Bible and what God is telling. We've been through this again and again, right? Whenever you're in a funk or whatever, go do something. You're in slavery, go. Don't have an emotional seminar about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that will get you very, very few places because char- character isn't related to mood or feeling. Accomplishment isn't related to mood or feeling. You've preached this right. many years. Have we been doing this many years? We've done. A, have, we, have we completed the Torah together? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It feels like it. There's still more to do. <laughs> All right. Um, so my 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 question about this, or my point about this, that I wanted to run by you is because you did relate. You did relate this to the soldiers in Israel today fighting like your son and they're 19 they're 20 they're 21 and they're just going and doing the mission it seems to me that that is an important point about childhood and adulthood i was on a podcast this week discussing some of this children are different than adults but the point of childhood it seems to me whether it's adolescence, or even pre-adolescence, but young children, adolescence to young adulthood, that is the time when parents are to nurture the emotions. That is the time when they are to instill the values into these young charges so that by the time they're adults, 18, 19, 20, they have what it takes internally. They don't have to go through these mental gymnastics and emotional gymnastics, they're ready and they're prepared to go, mm-hmm. to bow. Right. That's a v- very good point. You know, there is a reason why God in Deuteronomy compares man to the tree of the field. Yeah. Because you're right, at, at its infancy, the tree also needs yeah. quite a bit of a, a delicate treatment and uh, focus on, on its uh, different details and intricacies because the tree is so sensitive. Uh, and same with children. Uh, when parents raise young children, they too have to focus on every detail, on every emotion, every intricacy, 
because they are in such a delicate state, such a sensitive state. But once they grow up, just like a tree, it's time to bear fruits. It's time to outgrow those little delicate details and focus on your mission, on Mm -hmm. your purpose. Mm -hmm. Same with adults. Mm -hmm. That's it. Stop acting like a child by being engrossed too much in your emotions. Now it's time for you to bear fruits, to make that impact in this world, to fulfill your purpose. And um, I think that if, if every parent knew that, knew that formula, knew that recipe to adulthood, I think our world would look very different. Uh, they say, you know, that it's easier to raise healthy children than to fix broken adults. Yes, right. But that's the way to raise healthy children. Yes, this is a big theme of mine, that uh, children are in a special position and adults are in a special position, and we tend to confuse and blur those lines an awful lot. I think it is a sad sign of our times that we're yanking children out of their precious gardens of Eden, if you will, at two young ages, and adults. And then what happens is these children grow into adults— adult bodies, but with childish attitudes and emotions, uh, that is to say, arrested development. Um, But it's incumbent on adults to understand this point. If we didn't, as I often say, have adult problems, we wouldn't have child problems. Mm, That's that's right. You know, I once asked someone uh, who's an influential figure in America, what is the greatest crisis that we face in America? And she responded, that we have millions, millions of children in adult bodies. Yes, yes. And that's so true because you're right. That child within was never given an opportunity to truly evolve and develop itself emotionally mainly, but also in other ways. Didn't have maybe parents who were aware of that or didn't have parents altogether that were present. And uh, it, it, in a way, stifles our growth. And uh, maybe then we grow adult bodies, but we remain children within. Absolutely right. And that's what some of these fights politically are about with what's going on in the schools and the materials we're putting in front of children and the decisions, lifelong to life-changing decisions we're foisting upon them and empowering them with. We'll set that aside for now. I do enough of that when you're not here. Let me get to your podcast. Be a gazelle, not a cheetah. The difference between a gazelle and a cheetah. (laughs) The cheetah doesn't always get the gazelle even though the cheetah is about twice as fast. Right. That's right. The cheetah can run over 70 miles an hour, where the gazelle can only run 45 miles an hour. But based on that, the cheetah should be capturing the gazelle each and every time. Yet it does not. Why? Because the cheetah can only run run 70 miles an hour for a very short amount of time. 50 seconds, maybe. Right. And it gets exhausted thereafter. The gazelle, on the other hand, can run for 45 miles an hour for a long period of time. So it, in a way, outruns the cheetah because of its consistent effort. And it's, it's a life lesson for each and every one of us. Sometimes we want to be cheetahs and we want to go big, as they say. But it, it, it defeats the purpose almost each and every time because when we do go big so quickly, we get exhausted ourselves. And then we lose focus on that which needs our focus. Mm-hmm. Rather be a gazelle mm-hmm. that can be consistent in its actions, mm-hmm. even though the progress might be slower, but it will eventually in, allow the person to reach his or her destinations. Never give in, never give up. That's correct. Never give in, never give up. Keep going and going and going. As Pharaoh did, as you point out, 
Pharaoh kept going and going and going. He did it for evil, um, probably knowing at some point he'd lose, but he kept going. And you, as I understand it, give us the message, if Pharaoh would keep going and going and going for evil, how much more so important it is for us to keep going and going and going for good. That's right, because even a Pharaoh has something to teach us. Yes. And he was a gazelle. Yeah. And, and for evil, unfortunately, like you just pointed out, we ought to be gazelles for good yeah. and ensure that our effort also is not just consistent and persistent, but it is directed towards all that is good. And then, without a doubt, goodness in our own personal lives and our collective lives will prevail. You say we need to learn from Pharaoh. You quote from uh, a Talmudic source, the rabbis ask, who is wise? He who learns from everyone. That doesn't just mean the good, right? That's right. You know, it's interesting because if you would ask that question in the streets today, they would tell you he who has seven PhDs. Hold that, would you? <laughs> Let me come back on that. Right, we sure. have a very short segment I'd like to finish with uh, with Rabbi Pinchas Alush when we come right back. Um, yes. How do you know who to learn from and what to learn? I'll put that on the rabbi when we come right back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush has been our guest. Thank you for your time and your brain and your soul with us every Friday here, Rabbi, at least every Friday when you're in town. But thank you for it when you're not here as well. Yes. Uh, you tell us the rabbis ask who is wise, and they respond, he who learns from everyone, and people who do ill as well as do good. I like the expression an advisor once gave me many years ago, and I was trying to understand someone. He said, um, sometimes God puts people in this world to show us how not to act. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something you would accept or adopt, but that is maybe some of the lesson here with regard to Pharaoh. Sure, absolutely. It doesn't say how to learn. Yeah. It says that we have to learn yeah. from everyone, but yeah. we might learn from others on, like you said, on how not to act. Uh-huh. But I think, as I was saying before, what the brilliance of this teaching is that if you want to be wise, you don't necessarily have to have seven PhDs. Right. All you have to do is learn from life and from people. Yeah. I think that's the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Yeah. Intelligence may be the accumulation of information, yeah. but it doesn't make you wise. Yeah. What makes you wise and gives you the ability to truly understand life is life itself, life as it demonstrates itself in people and in the world altogether. If we're honest with ourselves, we know who those people are. We know the difference. We know who to go to for advice, or we should figure it out, you know, um, based on track record, based on their abilities, based on the kinds of advice they give. And and, and it just shouldn't be that difficult. Turns out it is, um, because I think we get caught up in emotions as we circle back to the very beginning of this conversation. You recommend, if we're in darkness, in a funk, in uh, in what we may consider a plague of our own, do a commandment, you say, going off your podcast, which is a mitzvah, word, commandment, do a positive deed. That's how anxiety vanishes and trauma dissipates, to quote you. It's our actions that define us, not our moods or feelings. You had another thing in that list that I wanted to throw by you real quickly because I loved it. Do a commandment, do a mitzvah, do a positive. You buy a gift for someone. Hmm. I liked that. It's yeah. really neat to do that once in a while. Nothing brings joy like an unsolicited, unexpected gift. It doesn't have to be a big one. That's right. And the impact that you will have on that someone that you buy the gift for 
will be eternal. Yeah. So what greater way to create eternal joy um, than giving a gift to someone else or making someone else happy in that way? I didn't have time, but I wanted to read a poem with you by Edgar Guest um, about rather seeing a sermon than hearing one. So I'll just give it to you for your travels. Oh, thank you and so And maybe much. if I have a chance, I'll get to it in the next hour. But Rabbi Pinchas Salush, thank you. And again, God bless you and your family, especially your son right now. Amen. Thank you so much, Seth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.